If someone shows you their true colors, don't try to paint them. Unknown. When people show you their true colors, don't get mad. Paint a beautiful mural of life's lessons and keep marching forward. Alex Ellie. So for those of you who have a loved one with aphasia, I have created a new freebie for you. It's a PDF workbook and it's called A New Year, A New Way of Asking Questions. This downloadable PDF is available to you now in the show notes and also through our website. I hope you'll use this workbook. Welcome to the Listen for Life podcast with Genevieve Richardson. Genevieve is a speech-language pathologist rehabilitating adults with communication challenges after a stroke or due to a neurological impairment. Living with aphasia is hard. Caregiving is hard. You are not alone. Get equipped with knowledge from experts in the field and professionals you need to know. We'll hear stories and experiences from others who are navigating life with aphasia. So, put your earphones in and take a walk outside. This isn't just a podcast. This is a community, a resource, and a support system. We're in this together. Do life. Our topic today is about the stroke survivor who won't do therapy versus can't do therapy. So let's dive in. Here's the scenario. Your dad is a strong and independent man. He just had a stroke. Fortunately, he doesn't have weakness on either side of his body. His arms are fine. His legs are fine. He doesn't need physical therapy but he is not exactly the same person you know as your dad. He's showing changes in his ability to concentrate, his memory, and more often now than before, he gets irritated when you ask him questions or ask him to do something. The doctors say he has good potential for improving his ability to talk and find the words he wants to say. He clearly has changes that have resulted from the stroke, but he is not willing to acknowledge them and changes the subject or gets mad when you bring it up. He's refusing to go to therapy. He won't listen to you when you ask him why he won't go to therapy. And his wife, your mom, does everything she can for him. She loves him to death. She anticipates his needs so that he doesn't have to. Our topic today is related to stroke survivors who can't do therapy versus won't do therapy. Let's talk about therapy resistance and understanding the potential reasons behind therapy resistance. There are many reasons why a stroke survivor may be resistant to therapy. It's important to understand these underlying concerns in order to address them. Some reasons include feelings of hopelessness or despair. After a stroke, individuals may feel overwhelmed or discouraged by the challenges they are facing, and they may believe that therapy won't make a difference. Number two, frustration with progress. Stroke recovery can be a slow and frustrating process, and individuals may feel like they are not making the progress they had hoped for. 
This can lead to discouragement and a lack of motivation to continue therapy. That's for the person that actually starts therapy. Physical and emotional fatigue. Point three is therapy can be physically and emotionally draining and individuals may feel too tired or exhausted to participate. Fear of failure. Some folks may fear failing and not meeting therapy goals and therefore may avoid therapy altogether. There are also some cultural issues to speech pathology treatment and or rehab in general. So the first one may be lack of awareness or understanding about the benefits of speech therapy. Some people may not be aware of the existence of speech therapy and may not understand how it can help them. That's where a speech pathologist working with the family can help provide an explanation of how it can be motivating and helpful to a person. Point two, stigma. Some cultures may view speech disorders as a sign of weakness or inadequacy, which may prevent individuals from seeking treatment. Point three, limited access to care. In some areas, there may be a shortage of speech pathologists, making it difficult for individuals to access treatment. This is where telepractice plays a huge role in providing access to the right treatment. For many, an internet connection and a tablet or a laptop are what is needed to start the rehab process. Point four, language barriers. An individual needs to speak the same language as the speech pathologist to communicate and participate in therapy. Yes, we can work through a translator, but it is not as ideal a situation. It's best if there is not a native speaker of the language to work with a family member that can work as a translator. Beliefs or values. Some cultural or personal beliefs may conflict with the principles or techniques used in speech therapy, leading to individuals to decline treatment. Another area that may prevent someone from participating in treatment is their pride. You might not think that this is an issue, but it can be. Pride can certainly impact an individual's willingness to participate in therapy as it may cause them to resist seeking help or to feel ashamed or embarrassed about their condition. This can be especially true for individuals who have always been independent and self-sufficient and may view the need for therapy as a sign of weakness or failure. There are a few ways in which pride can impact an individual's willingness to participate in therapy. Resistance to seeking help. Pride may cause an individual to be resistant to seeking help or denying that they need therapy. They may feel like they should be able to handle their challenges independently or they fear being perceived as weak or dependent. Shame or embarrassment. Pride may cause an individual to feel ashamed or embarrassed about their condition or their need for therapy. They may worry about being judged or ridiculed by others or feel like they have let themselves or their loved ones down.
stigma. Stigma can be attached to certain conditions or therapies, making an individual with pride feel more reluctant to seek help. So there are the individuals that won't do therapy, but what about the reason someone can't do therapy? The first one is limited access to care. Someone may live in a geographic region where it is too much of a burden to drive to access therapy. There could be a cost issue. Depending on where you are in your rehabilitation journey, your insurance may have run out and yet you still haven't reached the goals that you need to. You don't have functional speech, whatever the case may be. Cost could be an issue. Time constraints. You may not have the time or flexibility to commit to regular therapy sessions. There could also be transportation issues. If you have a hard time getting to and from appointments, if it wears you out, if you don't have someone that can drive you or someone that can support you in that endeavor, you may not even consider trying to get to therapy. So how do we overcome barriers and resistance to therapy? It can be helpful for people to reframe their thinking about therapy and to recognize that seeking help is a sign of strength and resilience, not weakness. It can also be helpful for individuals to find a therapist or support group that is understanding, non-judgmental, and supportive. Finally, it can be helpful for loved ones to offer encouragement, understanding, and support to help the stroke survivor. Motivating stroke survivors to engage in therapy. Emphasize the benefits of therapy. Stroke survivors may be more motivated to engage in therapy if they understand how it can help them recover and improve their quality of life. Set achievable goals. Set small achievable goals that can help stroke survivors feel a sense of accomplishment and encourage them to continue with therapy. Make therapy enjoyable. Nobody wants to feel like they've gone back to school. Sometimes pencil and paper tasks are not motivating. Repetitive tasks are not motivating. The trick is for the clinician to frame if a repetitive task is necessary, the clinician needs to frame and explain why it's necessary and how it's going to impact the person positively. Provide support. Providing emotional support and encouragement can help stroke survivors feel more motivated to engage in therapy. If they know you are cheering them on, without pressure of course, and they know they can talk to you about their wins and their losses and what they're working towards, that all is providing support. Make accommodations. If necessary, help with setting up a positive therapy environment, whether it's home care and the clinician is coming into the house. Make it more comfortable and accessible for the stroke survivor. Let's talk about the role of caregivers in supporting therapy. Talk to your loved one about their feelings. 
It's important to have open and honest conversations about their feelings and concerns if they'll talk to you. This can help identify underlying issues that may be contributing to therapy resistance. Setting realistic and achievable goals. It may be helpful to set a very practical, functional goal. Dad, if you do X, Y, Z in therapy, you're going to be able to do A, B, C. Paint the picture. Make it a one-to-one ratio. When you succeed here, this is what you're going to be able to do. A spouse or family can help the individual identify their goals and offer support and encouragement as they work towards achieving them. One of the hardest, I'll say, one of the challenges I have as a clinician I absolutely want goals to work towards. I want functional goals that are meaningful to the person that I'm working with. If they want to get back to garden club, we define what that means. Does it mean getting to the meeting, talking at the meeting, giving a presentation, doing a demonstration? What does it mean? We will take a functional task, break it down into its parts, And then we can tailor therapy to address each of these parts. This is one example of the life participation approach to aphasia. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes. So hold on to that thought. So the family can offer positive reinforcement. Recognizing, praising small victories and achievements can be a powerful motivator. Consider using a reward system or other forms of positive reinforcement to encourage participation in therapy. Perhaps it's something as small as, when you're done with physical and speech therapy today, we'll stop at XYZ restaurant, offer emotional support. It is so important for a spouse or family to be understanding and supportive of the individual's feelings and concerns. If this individual with aphasia cannot express those concerns, try and provide some examples. When I see you do this kind of facial expression, it makes me think this. When I see you smiling and your teeth are showing and you have crinkles in your eyes, I know that you're happy. When I see that your eyebrows are down and demonstrate this for them, I see your eyebrows are down, you drop your head down, you're not making eye contact, I know that you're worried or concerned or you feel bad. Try and reflect back to your person what you are seeing from them. Be patient and understanding. Stroke rehabilitation can be a slow and frustrating process, and a spouse or family needs to be patient and understanding of the individual's progress. It's important to recognize that recovery is a journey and that there will be ups and downs along the way. Let's talk about the life participation approach to therapy. I love that there is a term for it. It's some, it's a type of therapy or an approach to therapy that I've always done in my practice. 
I did home health therapy where I went into people's homes and you have a certain number of visits to achieve functional goals and you have to determine based on where they land as their cognition, their language, their ability to speak, you tie that into what's functional for them. What's most important? If you can get one or two wins, what are those going to be? So let's talk about the life participation approach to aphasia treatment. It is focused on the holistic, person-centered approach that focuses on helping individuals with aphasia, that's any impairment in speech or language, to participate in the activities and roles that are important to them. So there's four parts to the life participation approach. Identify the individual's communication needs and goals in the context of their everyday life. Two, use a range of treatment techniques and strategies to support the individual's communication in real life situations. Three, collaborate with the individual, their family, and other relevant professionals to develop a personalized treatment plan. Four, provide ongoing support and follow-up to help the individual maintain their gains and continue to participate in life activities. So this brings to mind, I'm going to give you a fictitious name. Her name was Phyllis. She was one of my first home health patients. This is 20-something years ago. So 20 years ago, cell phones were few and far between. It was not commonplace. Most everybody had a landline in their house. So Phyllis lived in a mobile home. Her daughter lived about 10 miles away. Phyllis had a landline and she was fiercely independent, but her aphasia prevented her from doing things for herself that she wanted. What was most important to her was number one, being able to use the telephone and call her friends. Number two, call her daughter. Number three, be able to write up her grocery list so that when her daughter came over, they could go grocery shopping. Those were Phyllis's top three goals and everything we did in treatment worked to achieve those goals. So that's just one small example of the life participation approach. It's very functional treatment. So in conclusion, we're going to wrap up this episode about those who won't do therapy and those that can't do therapy. Therapy resistance can be a common issue in stroke recovery, but it's important to identify and address the underlying reasons for this resistance by having open and honest conversations, setting realistic patient-centered goals, making therapy enjoyable. There's no reason I joke with my patients that I torture them when we do therapy, but there's no reason to torture them with treatment that is not motivating, that they don't see value in, just because that's what the clinician wants to do. Our job as a clinician is to find treatment activities that work towards those goals and 
that the patient can be motivated by so that they will work their very hardest and as a result, achieve their goals and get back to life. We want therapy to be enjoyable. We want to offer positive reinforcement and we can help motivate and encourage stroke survivors to participate in therapy and make progress in their recovery. For those that won't do therapy, if we go back to the example I started with about the daughter who knows her dad. She desperately wants her dad to be back. She wants him to be able to achieve and get back to the life he led before. He was fiercely independent and a member of his community and participated with a family and friends. She wants him to get back to that so much. But what can she do? Number one, the daughter needs to love. She needs to love her dad, acknowledge verbally to her dad that she sees him for who he is, that she would love for him to get back to doing the things he loved to do, that there's a way to get from where he is now to back to where he was before and that she is there to help him do it. The doctors say he has potential. He really just has some speech and language issues with word finding. But where the daughter is struggling, the wife is compensating. So her mom is supporting her husband at the level he is functioning at right now. There is no reason for him to have to work hard or struggle because she meets all of his needs, whether it's his daily needs for getting ready in the morning or, you know, changing the television channel. She provides his favorite meals. She doesn't ask anything of him where he has to struggle. She just provides. So the daughter is really conflicted. She sees the potential in her dad. She knows her dad can get back to where he was or at least close to it. But she's frustrated because he's not trying. So what's a daughter to do? If she could find one small area, one goal that she knows that would be important to him. And if she breaks it into small pieces and talks to her dad about, let's go do therapy so you can do X, Y, Z, she might have an in. But beyond that, my recommendation for this daughter would be love your dad, accept him for who he is, support him in any way you can, and let it go. It could very well be that as some time passes, whether that's a few weeks or a few months, he may be more receptive to therapy down the road. So that's just a lightweight topic that we covered today, but it's a very important one. I'd be happy to hear from any of you that would like to share your comments about it. What's your experience about motivating your loved one? to do therapy. Did you have any resistance? How did you overcome it? What did you find worked and what did you find didn't work? Everybody in this community can benefit from your experience. I hope you'll share it. 
ways to share it would be in the comments here at the podcast. You can comment at dolifespeechpathology.com forward slash blog, and you will see all the episodes here. We are available on Facebook and Instagram at lifespeechpathology.com if you'd like to comment there. If you would like specific help with improving your loved one's aphasia, their thinking skills, their apraxia, Life Speech Pathology can help. Free consultations are available by phone, and you can find a link to schedule that consult in the show notes at dolifespeechpathology.com or wherever you are listening to this podcast. And last, 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 I promise before we go, in March of this year, 2023, Life Aphasia Academy is launching a comprehensive course for spouses, partners, and family members, and the caregivers who care for a loved one with aphasia. The Aphasia Field Guide is a five-week online course with live question and answer opportunities every week that walks you through the roadmap for discovery, communication, advocacy, and connection for your loved one that has aphasia after a stroke. Thank you for listening. Wishing you a fabulous week. Thanks for tuning in to the Listen for Life podcast. We hope you feel empowered and supported. Head over to listenforlifepodcast.com to see the show notes with links and information from today's episode. Do you have a topic, a resource to share, or a guest recommendation? Inquiring minds want to know. Let us know in the comments section. Wishing you a fabulous week.